were listening to a sermon from Sojourn Church in Fairfax, Virginia. We hope that this is an encouragement to you no matter where you find yourself on your spiritual journey. If you're not already, we would encourage you to connect to your local church. If you'd like to find out more about Sojourn in particular, please visit our website at sojournfairfax.com. May God bless you now as you listen to the preaching of his word. Psalm 124. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird. From the snare of the fowlers, the snare is broken, and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, again, it's good to gather with you this morning. I'm excited to be here. Our family was on vacation uh, last week, and so missed being with you. But I'm excited to be here this morning, not just to see you guys, but to have my friend and brother Charles be here this morning. Uh, Charles and his family uh, drove up last night. They live in the Norfolk area. Charles is the pastor and planter of Mission Church down in Norfolk. They're a part of uh, the Sojourn Network, which our church is a part of as well. So their family came over, hung out with us for dinner last night, had a great time hanging out, could have spent all night talking. Uh, but they have five kiddos who needed to go to bed, so I uh, took them uh, home, and they're all here this morning. So grateful for you guys to be here. Thank you, brother, for being here preaching this morning. Uh, we're going to take some time to pray for Mission Church at the end of our service today, but I want to pray for you now uh, before you get into preaching the Word. So let's pray. Father, just give you thanks for this morning again that we get to be together. And I'm grateful for my brother Charles and his family being here this morning uh, just to sit under the preaching of your word as he opens your word and, and delivers that to us. God, I pray that you would empower him by your Holy Spirit to do the work that you've called him to do this morning. And God, that through the preaching of your word that you would help us to be drawn closer to you, to recognize the greatness of who you are, that our hope and help is found in you alone. And so God, I pray that you would transform our hearts and lives however and wherever that needs to take place this morning. God, may his confidence be rest in the fact that you have purchased him by the blood of Christ, that you have made him your son, and now have called him to help shepherd your church. So God, I'm grateful for what you have done, are doing, what you will do, even this morning as we listen to our brother. We give you thanks, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning again, Sojourn Church. Again, my name's Charles Shannon. I, I want to start just expressing gratitude and thankfulness for you, for your partnership in the gospel. I'm grateful for Pastor Justin and his uh, lovely wife, Amy, very gracious. Yesterday evening as we came into town, our family was refreshed, encouraged as we talked about God, faith, family, life, ministry. Uh, we were greatly encouraged, brother. Uh, I'm also thankful for your partnership in the gospel because of your existence and your faithfulness and your commitment to seeing churches planted in this area of Northern Virginia, but also our church in Southeast Virginia and in Norfolk, Virginia, we're able to do what God has called us to do through your prayers, through your encouragements, through your generosity financially, and um, I just want to express gratitude and thankfulness. If, if there's an introduction that, that I really want to be impressed into your minds, it's just gratitude and thankfulness for your partnership in the gospel. Thankful for the partnership we say, share within Sojourn Network as we're able to collaborate there and see other healthy churches planted throughout North America. In the life of Mission Church, we find ourselves in this season of pressing into good things. The, the good things that we're pressing into are gospel, community, mission, and multiplication. 
gospel, community, mission, and multiplication. The good news of Jesus, which was promised beforehand, which was realized in the life and the teaching and the ministry and the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus, his ascension and his promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit, we're pressing into the gospel. Now, we have not fully, wholly comprehended the gospel as a community, but we trust that the Lord is deepening our love for God and his gospel in the life of Mission Church. But we're also pressing into community. That's deep, meaningful relationships where we all get to take the mask off. We all get to show that we're saved by grace and not by our works, but, and we get to share life with one another. Uh, we get to reveal our hearts and allow the Lord to work in our hearts in the, uh, in the midst of deep, meaningful relationships centered on the gospel. But we're also pressing into mission. And at minimum, if you were to ask me, Charles, what's the mission of Mission Church? It's to make disciples. And, and the bare minimums of what that means is we want to see new people come to follow Jesus, men and women, boys and girls, freshly and newly follow Jesus. But we also want to see those who have already begun to follow Jesus, to grow up in him, to mature as disciples of Jesus Christ, gospel, community, and mission. And the last one is multiplication. As we are enjoying gospel, community, and mission, we want to see those good things multiply. And at bare minimum, that means we want to multiply new believers. We want to multiply new disciples and maturing disciples. We want to multiply leaders and community group leaders and community groups and, and, and pastors and church planting pastors. And, and we also are foolish enough to desire to plant new mission churches. We want to multiply mission churches throughout the seven cities of Hampton Roads. And so we have a, a crop of a handful of individuals who are praying and considering what it might look like for us to plant another mission church, a city over in Virginia Beach. And so hear me loud and clear on the front end. We're grateful for your partnership in planting mission church in Norfolk. But for us, it was never about planting a church. It, it's always been about multiplying disciples and multiplying churches. And so uh, let's partner together to plant some more churches in the Commonwealth. Amen? All right. Well, our text before us today, Psalm 124, if you have a copy of the scriptures, you just heard it read. I, I want to be brief this morning. I, I want to walk through Psalm 124. And just like multiplying disciples and multiplying churches is for our enjoyment and is consistent with the promises of God and is consistent with Jesus being exalted in the glory of God. I'm convinced that our time in Psalm 124 will be for our enjoyment and the message found there in these eight verses is, is consistent with the promises and the character of God. And, and, and my hope is at the end of us working through these eight verses that we all would behold and see and comprehend deep in our hearts the glory of God. So let me give you the roadmap, right? I'm about to give you the GPS coordinates of where we're going this morning, and then we will walk through Psalm 124. Uh, nobody likes going backwards, right? No one likes walking backwards. No one likes running backwards. No one wants to go backward in, in, in life. Uh, but if I were to go backwards through Psalm 124, it would be consistent with the storyline of the Bible. I would talk to you about God being creator, and even after the fall of humanity in the garden, God promises a, a savior or a rescuer. So I would talk to you about God as creator, God as rescuer. And we see throughout the Old Testament, the Lord sustains a people and he brings the savior of the world through a people. And Jesus lives his life, as I just mentioned, 
And then he sends the promised helper, the Holy Spirit, to establish the church. And so if I were to walk backwards through Psalm 124, that would be my direction. But but since we're not going to walk backwards this morning, we're going to walk forward. Uh, Let me show you if we were to walk forward through Psalm 124 what I see. I see God is our helper, verses 1 and 2. I see God is our sustainer, verses 3 through 5. I see God is our rescuer, verses 6 and 7. And I see God as our creator, verse 8. So let's walk forward with thanksgiving through Psalm 124, this psalm of ascent. Uh, One commentator said about Psalm 124 that the psalm is intended for liturgical use as a community thanksgiving. And so so my aim as we work through these eight verses together is that that at the culmination, once we get to verse 8, that there would be community rejoicing, that there would be community thanksgiving. We'd be throwing chairs and praise to God and, and running around this space, maybe even dispersing into the parking lot as a community, a corporate people full of thanksgiving as we see God as helper, as sustainer, as rescuer, and as creator, a people, a community rejoicing with thanksgiving. And because we can't pray enough, I want to pray one more time, and then I want to dive in. Holy Spirit, we pray in the fullness of your presence, thankful for your fathering that is about to take place as you shepherd your people Help us see with the eyes of our hearts the glory of Jesus. Open our ears. Remove all distractions. Give us deep and focused attention to the preaching and the proclamation of this good word which you have entrusted us with for our good, for our enjoyment, with consistency with the promises of God, but ultimately for the glory of God. And we pray all these things in his name. Amen. God is our helper, verses 1 and 2. Listen closely to what the psalmist says. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, uh, the leader of the worshiping people, he then turns to the people and he says, Now let Israel now say, let Israel now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. And, And then he gives an instance when people rose up against us. Now, if you're following closely here, you you hear the tone of verse 1. The author clearly recognizes in a seasonal and or situational sense that there was turmoil, that there was calamity, that there was destruction, maybe even death was before the people as a result of an instance or a set of instances, and, and, and maybe death would have been the result if it had not been for God. If it, if it had not been for God and his careful, if it had not been for God and his close and his compassionate and his active involvement, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. Now, friends, there's a place for personal and individual reflection, but that's not what the psalmist is doing here. Please note the use of the word our. If it, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, this is, this is corporate reflection. This is plural worship. This is remembrance and a reminder of, of God, Israel as a plural people. Well, they should rejoice as they remember the faithfulness of God. Uh, they, they should praise with with the word we're going to hear over and over this morning, thanksgiving. With praise and thanksgiving, they should rejoice in the goodness of God because if, if it had not been for the Lord, is what the psalmist says. They should speak up and they should say together and corporately, together with one another, if it, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side. And then the text says, when people rose up, 
against us. Now, maybe we can glean from this that there was opposition from people. And as this opposition from people was pressing upon, among the people, what happened? God helped. God intervened. We see God is our helper, verses 1 and 2. But not only that, God is our sustainer in verses 3 through 5. And what that means, friends, is that his help is not scarce. His help is not a, a, a little bit, right? His help is not minuscule. No, no, his resources are not in, in lack and his help is not short. No, his help will sustain us. You see, we're not independent beings, although we try to live life uh, as independent beings, right? And so we behave or, or, or we say, we, or we, may, we may never say it, but we may behave in a way as if, God, I really just need your help on the front end and thank you, Lord, for getting it started, but, but we'll take it from here. Or, or we'll say, oh, you know what, I think, I, I think I'm bright enough, sharp enough, crisp enough, wise enough to get it going. And then, Lord, we just need a little bit of help along the way. And God will let you know when we need help. That's not the heart of what the psalmist is communicating. The psalmist is communicating that the Lord was there at the beginning and that the Lord continued, his help was continual, it was, it was ongoing, I think is what the picture uh, uh, that the psalmist paints for us. And, and if we're honest, we all know that we need ongoing help because we are not independent indiv individuals or, or beings who can live autonomously apart from God. We, we need help to, to, to remain in the faith. We need God's help in our homes, right? For those of you who are married, you, you need God's help and his ongoing support and, and sustainment for your marriage. For those of you who are single, you, you need God's ongoing help in, in your singleness because he may call you to continue in singleness or he may call you to marriage one day, maybe. But, but nevertheless, whatever lot in life you find yourself in, you need, you need God's help today and you need ongoing sustaining help. For those of you who are preparing for the up-and-coming school uh, semester. You need God's help this semester. And some of you are very bright, very sharp, very crisp. Your, your report cards are impressive. If you were to show off your transcripts, uh, uh, we, we would see how smart you really are. And, but but, but I, my hope and my prayer is that this semester you would not depend upon your own ingenuity, your own wisdom, but you'd be dependent upon the Lord as you go about your studies for this upcoming school year. You need God's help at work. Right. Once all of the dust settles and, and we all leave here and we put our keys into the ignition of our vehicles and we drive off and then we got to clock in tomorrow morning. And there's that coworker, There's that supervisor. There are those tasks and those responsibilities associated with your work. Maybe your vocation is in, in the home and, and you provide full time care for the home, which is noble, God honoring work. And you need God's help. You need him to sustain you. You, you need him to, to keep you. But, but we also need God's help in our recreation. For some of us, we work too hard. Work is good. It's honorable. It's noble. But, but we need God's help to, to take a break and to recreate. We even need God's help in our recreation that we would bring honor to him by submitting to recreation and play and fun that's honoring to him and for our good and our enjoyment. We, we need God's ongoing help and his ongoing sustainment. Look at verse 3 with me of, uh, of Psalm 124. Uh, this is what it says. If it had not been for the Lord, then they would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. One commentary uh, said with reference to verse 3, the poet seems to be comparing 
the adversary of God's people with a powerful sea monster. Picture that image, right? Almost being swallowed up alive, but, but the Lord helped and the Lord sustained. There was anger and opposition against us, but what happened? The Lord intervened and he helped. I remember the early days of planting Mission Church in Norfolk, Virginia. Uh, we needed a place to meet, and there was a local Baptist church that uh, allowed us to meet in their ugly chapel for free. And if you're a church planner just beginning out, and you need a place to meet, free is good, okay? Just <laughs> help you with that. And so, so we started meeting in their ugly chapel on Sunday afternoons, and uh, this was a dying congregation. I mean, the church had been there for years. Uh, in their heyday, they had a thousand people, but they had dwindled down. Uh, we know what happens in urban centers. Uh, suburban flight takes place. Uh, people stop driving back into the city to go to their fateful congregations that their grandmamas and their mamas went to, and, and they no longer feel a sense that they need to honor what their parents had established. Uh, this church was full of infighting. They were known for racism. Uh, they were known for their disdain for the poor in the community. And I live a, less than a mile away from the church building there in this local congregation. And so I said, hey, could, could we meet? And they, the, the pastor at that time, he resigned halfway um, into our stay there, said, of course, you can meet free here for a year. Now, this congregation, they had realized that the congregation had changed from the good old days. And the deacons of this church, they were often mean and disrespectful to me, to our church, even to my wife. Uh, one of the pastors on staff at this church, he, he was honest with me one day. He said, Charles, we see you and your church's competition, and you guys need to leave and go find your own place to meet. We want to reach the community. And I'm like, bruh, I am the community, right? If you can't be nice to me, uh, I'm easy. Me and, my, me and my family are easy. We're believers. We love Jesus, right? We know two scriptures, right? You should welcome and embrace us. If you can't be nice to us, you're not going to be able to be nice to the knuckleheads who live in the neighborhood. We felt compelled, though, by God that God had called us to this work of urban church planning with an inner city leaning. We were a church plan of about 25 at the time, and so they weren't impressed with us, right, because we hadn't experienced a rapid uh, a growth like in the book of Acts. We didn't have 3,000 people piling into this ugly chapel saying, what must I do to be saved? Now, you're saying, okay, Charles, what's the connection between your church planting story and Psalm 124? Well, the psalmist is about to show us the rescuing and delivering hand of God, and I want to let you know, ultimately, God did rescue us from the mean Baptist church, okay? Uh, we, don't, we don't meet in their ugly chapel anymore. But experientially, I can I can find some identity with the psalmist as the psalmist attests to God's rescuing and delivering work. Now, for you who are here at Sojourn, maybe you've been here from the early days when Pastor Justin was in his living room praying, I don't know, Lord, I don't see it, but I'm convinced you called me, or, or I see glimpses of it, Lord, you got to fill in the rest. And, or, or maybe you came a few years after the church started, and, 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 but you can remember seasons in the life of Sojourn where it was hard, where it was difficult where it was challenging. Maybe, maybe you can resonate with the psalmist and say, man, I remember that season. I remember that hardship. And, and if it had not been for the Lord, then, then I don't know if we would still be worshiping today as a people in the name of the Lord Jesus, in light of his finished work, in light of his resurrection. I, I don't know if, if we would have prevailed. That, I mean, that could have uh, shut us down. That, that could have stopped what we felt that God had called us to do. But the Lord was on our side. I, I don't know if you experience sea monsters, 
right? <laughs> like the psalmist, uh, maybe being swallowed up whole as a community. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Some say this, this psalmist is, is speaking about military opposition. I don't know if Sojourn Church has experienced military might or opposition. I don't know if you've experienced mean deacons like us, right? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm sure there have been difficulties and challenges and seasons where it appeared that there was opposition from every side, but the Lord has rescued you and, and saved you and spared you and kept you and delivered you from the hand of the opposition. And you, in the spirit of verse 6 of Psalm 124, you can say, blessed be the Lord. That's your resound. Blessed be the Lord. Before we get to verse 6, though, we see in verses 4 and 5 that there is sustainment through difficulties. There is sustainment through opposition. Look at verses 4 and 5 with me. Read closely. It says this, if it had not been for the Lord, then then the flood would have swept us away. If it had not been for the Lord, then the torrent would have gone over us. Look at verse 5. If it, if it had not been for the Lord, then over us would have gone the raging waters. As I, as I hear the psalmist paint this picture about these storms and these raging waters, it reminds me of back home. I grew up on the Gulf Coast of Florida in a small country town, uh, 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 south of Alabama called Pensacola, Florida. So at heart, I'm a poor skinny kid uh, from lower Alabama, uh, Pensacola, Florida. I had easy access to Alabama, to Mississippi, to New Orleans, Louisiana. And as I read uh, verses four and five, as the psalmist attests to the Lord's uh, uh, grace and his delivering power, it reminded me of 2004. Okay, so I, I was the neighborhood pharmaceutical entrepreneur um, in 2004, and I was bringing so much traffic to my mom's uh, apartment that I moved out on my own. I was 18, and about six months later, some of you may be familiar uh, with this hurricane, but that September in 2004, I'm in my own apartment with my, with my older cousin. Uh, we're living young, the lives that young men live who don't know Jesus, in a Category 5 hurricane hit the Gulf Coast. It was a Category uh, 5 hurricane called Hurricane Ivan. Now, I looked it up. The damage was about $26 billion from this Category 5 hurricane. And the total fatalities, the total deaths, were 123 people who lost their lives as a result of Hurricane Ivan. And if you would have asked me before this hurricane hit, Charles, do you think that you could go without power for 22 days? I would tell you no. I like AC right? I, I don't like candlelit rooms when, when it gets dim in the evening. And I like the AC and I like cable, TV. But I went without power for 22 days. On the 22nd day, Gulf Power turns our power back on. Now, in 2004, again, I was not a Christian. And Now, be mindful, I, I didn't grow up in church. I did not have a Christian upbringing. When I say I, I don't have a Christian upbringing, we didn't go to church on Christmas nor Easter growing up, okay? Just to set the scene. But I can look back in 2004, even though I did not know God, even though my mom and dad didn't uh, teach me about Jesus, they didn't regularly bring, they never brought me to church. Um, but I can look back and during that difficult season and enduring those harsh conditions, the Lord provided. The Lord sustained me in 2004, even though I, I didn't live for him. I, I, I didn't want him to be the Lord of my life. I was living for my own gratification and my own glory. God sustained me through that hurricane. Well, less than a year later, if you check your calendar, that happened September 2004, Hurricane Ivan hit. 
by August of 2005, the next year, another famous hurricane hit. It was Hurricane Katrina. It was another deadly Category 5 hurricane. It made landfall on Florida and Louisiana. And in August of 2005, one article says this about Hurricane Katrina. It caused catastrophic damage, particularly in the city of New Orleans and the surrounding areas. Hurricane Ivan, $26 billion worth of damage. Hurricane Katrina, $125 billion worth of damage. Ivan, I was spared from being one of the 123 deaths as a result of Ivan. The next year, Katrina had 1,833 deaths as a result of this Category 5 hurricane. We know the stories, the levees broke, the city was flooded, and many, we grieve, lost their lives as a result of these deadly hurricanes. I read a story about a pastor in New Orleans during the time of Hurricane Katrina, a, a pastor named Fred Luter. He was the pastor of Franklin Avenue Baptist Church. His church building was largely destroyed when Hurricane Katrina struck in uh, August of 2005 in New Orleans, and his congregants were scattered throughout the country. Luter, he immediately began to reconstruct his damaged church building and his regular congregation, as well as his congregation members who had been evacuated to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Houston, Texas, and Houston, Texas as well. And so picture this pastor, uh, the church building has been destroyed, but he, he's thinking about reconstructing the building, but he's also thinking about his people who have been scattered as a result of this crisis. And he goes into shepherd mode. Uh, the article said he continued to preach to the members of his flock who remained at home and others who had traveled and been scattered and evacuated to other areas. In the midst of a crisis, Pastor Luter, uh, a, a switch goes on and he begins to shepherd. He begins to reconstruct. He begins to regather. And, and I met Pastor Fred in the Delta section of the Atlanta airport, right, because you meet everybody at the Atlanta airport. And, and I saw his face and I ran up on him. I said, hey, sir, you don't know me, but, but I know you. I just want you to know I respect you and I appreciate you. I look up to you. And he gave me his contact. He said, call me whenever and periodically I'll call him. He'll talk with me for 15 or 20 minutes about life, about ministry, about what's going on in Southeast Virginia. But I have the utmost respect for his shepherd's heart because he could have said in the midst of a storm, you know, my pastoral duties are done. But he continued to faithfully shepherd his flock, even though they were scattered in a very difficult situation post-Katrina. And I'm sure if we were to ask Pastor Fred, Pastor Fred, how did you do it? I I'm sure that the conditions were difficult. I'm sure that they were hard. I'm sure that they were challenging. And I'm sure Pastor Fred would respond and say to us, the Lord helped. Not only did the Lord help me, the Lord sustained me, which is at the heart of what Psalm 124 is seeking to communicate to us this morning. Israel, a dispersed people. Israel, a scattered people, right? And then we hear stories like, like of mine in, in 2004, how the Lord helped me and sustained me even though I was not his. And, and we hear stories of, of Pastor Fred Luter who was helped and sustained by the Lord even in the midst of, of hardship. I'm sure he saw himself as being empowered by the Spirit of God to do very difficult hard work and to minister in these vile conditions. And if you would let me go way, way back in history uh, to the time of Israel, Israel. Uh, what the psalmist is trying to communicate to us is that, that the Lord helped and the Lord sustained even in the midst of disaster. In 2006, though, this is where the story gets good. So in 2004, I was spared from the calamity of Hurricane Ivan. Yes, I went without power, 
for 22 days and uh, we had to eat canned goods because food was scarce. And, but the Lord made sure we had water, right? And then in 2005, Hurricane Katrina hits the Gulf Coast and I'm spared. And so Katrina hits in August of 2005. And so in August of 2006, I'm still the neighborhood uh, pharmaceutical entrepreneur. I'm on my way to Escambia County Jail or Florida State Prison or worse, eternal separation from God. I was addicted to everything that I was selling and I was in spiritual disaster and ruin and a sweet friend had been preaching the gospel to me gently and patiently for about a year. And then that morning, August 16th, 2006, in spiritual ruin, spiritual destruction, the Spirit of God came over me, caused me to be born again, caused me to see the beauty of Jesus, caused me to take those bags of poison that were destroying my life and flush them down the toilet and receive Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, the reason that the Lord spared me in 2004 from those natural disasters and in 2005 from those natural, natural disasters is because ultimately he wanted to spare me. I was not in the death toll of the 123 of Ivan. I was not in the death toll of the 1,833 of Katrina. Ultimately, so that I would not die, but that I could have life. And as I remember God's faithfulness, I, I didn't get saved in a church. I got saved in a bathroom, flushing a bunch of drugs down the toilet and seeing my brokenness and seeing my need. And the Lord saved me. And, and that just even thinking about it does something in my heart and makes me want to exclaim and rejoice like, like verse six and say, blessed be the Lord who, who has saved me, who has rescued me, who has spared me and saved me from death and delivered me in order that 14 years later in the month of August, I might but stand, stand before you and attest to the mighty and the powerful work of God and the help of God and the sustainment of God and the power of God to save and to rescue. And we could stop right here and go around the room because I'm not the only one who's been saved. There's testimonies in this room of God's rescue and power. Many of you were legalists. Many of you were just good church kids, but you didn't love Jesus in your heart. And then God overshadowed that, caused you to be born again and to see his beauty. And he rescued you from religion and he rescued you from moralism. Others of you were like me. You were smoking too much and, and drinking too much and or you were on your way to prison or maybe you did go to jail or prison. I don't want to assume that that's not the, a part of the story and of God saving and rescuing people in this very room and you can attest with the psalmist if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side or we would have been swallowed up whole. Death would have been our story but, 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 but friends none of us in this room are dead. We're alive. And if we would recognize that the Lord has spared us death in order that we might have life in his son, then I'm convinced we'll respond in the same way that the psalmist responds in verse 6. Blessed be the Lord. That, that morning, August 16, 2006, when the Lord saved me, I, I couldn't tell you the storyline of the Old Testament. I couldn't pontificate as if the Holy Spirit was at work in the intertestamental period. I couldn't give you a missiology of Paul's missionary journeys and the present-day implications for church planting in North America. I couldn't tell you the distinction between Calvinism and Arminianism, uh, 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 the, the beautiful points of uh, gender distinction in the home and the church in contrast to egalitarianism. I couldn't tell you the distinction between the synoptic gospels and uh, the gospel of John and, and how John writes differently. All I know, friends, in August of, August of 2006 that I was blind, I was spiritually blind, and all I can tell you 14 years later is now I see. 
I see. I once was blind. Oh, but now I see. My life was on a course of disaster. I was a blind man. And then the Lord changed my heart. He opened my eyes and he rescued me and he saved me, which I think is at the heart of verses six and seven in Psalm 124. As we see, not only is God our helper and God our sustainer, but God is our rescuer. Look closely with me. Blessed be the Lord, who has not given us his prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken, and we have escaped. <laughs> the picture is of a bird, <laughs> a bird who's a little bit close to the teeth of the predator. And if you look closely and read it, the bird is simply not grazed by the teeth of the predator. No, it appears that the bird actually, uh, the predator's teeth were clamped down on the bird. The bird was already bitten, but then something happens. What happens? The bird escapes. What's that called? That's a miracle. Friends, that any of us are here free, rescued, saved, delivered from death, right? Because the enemy, if the enemy had his way, we all would be attacked and clamped down, uh, but we have escaped like a bird, like, like the bird that the psalmist attests to. And friends, that's a sign of the miraculous. I know because of re remaining sin, our eyes are so dull to the miraculous. And I fear that we are more impressed with billions of dollars of damage than we are with the miraculous power of God to save. You know, I worry that we are more in awe of a Category 5 hurricane in its power than we are with the power of the gospel to rescue and to save our neighbors. Many of us have some wacky neighbors who are just indifferent to Jesus. Some of us have family members who, talking about these things and the rescuing and saving power of God, they, they could just not, they, they don't really care. We have cousins, aunties, uncles, you know which uncle I'm talking about. And you know God has called you to, to, to tell him about the saving power of God. You know that neighbor that I'm talking about, a few houses down, maybe right across the street, maybe living behind you, that roommate that would never come to faith in Jesus. Let us not be more impressed with the power of a hurricane or billions of dollars worth of damage. And see, those things is powerful and hold the gospel in little esteem because the gospel was powerful enough to save us. I'm convinced the gospel was power enough to save our crazy uncles and cousins and aunts and, and neighbors. You see, what I think the psalmist is doing is actually helping us as the psalmist attests to God's help. As the psalmist attests to God's sustaining power and his rescuing power so that we together corporately as a community can say we have escaped. Israel can say that. Israel can say that there was danger, that there was disaster, that there was death that was before them, but they have been saved. This is a community thanksgiving. This is corporate thanksgiving from a people who have been helped by the power of God. And friends, if we're honest, and we would take a deep moment, of a few minutes, to just consider about God's help in our lives. We have been helped greatly. We have been helped greatly, particularly by God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so think about the life of Christ. Every time that Jesus was around some smelly fishermen, 
he was helping us. And now you're like, man, yep, I need to schedule that lunch. I need to invite that couple over. Man, I got to call him or I need to call her and I need to, I need to be around smelly fishermen, if you will. Every time that Jesus ate with sinners, he, he, he was helping us. Every parable that he taught and every healing that he provided and every sin that he forgave, he, he, he was actually helping us. Every prostitute, every sick man, every sick woman that he was near to, in close proximity to, we know he actually, he was helping us. Every outcast that he embraced, every religious leader that he rebuked who knew the text but their hearts were far away from God, he was actually helping us. Every time that he was struck by the guards, every time that he was spat upon, every time that he was hit and and beaten, and every laugh that he observed in the presence of all of his kingly glory, he actually was helping us, showing us what the kingdom of God actually looks like. Every nail that went into his hand and and, and the nails that went into his feet, y'all know that those nails were helping us placed in a tomb on that glorious Friday, right? Still in the tomb on that sorrowful Saturday, right? Raised from the dead on the first day of the week by the power of God, the Holy Spirit. Y'all know he was helping us. Spends 40 days with the disciples, teaching them what the text really meant and what it was pointing to, that he truly is king and that the kingdom of God is at hand. And then what does he do? He, he, he lets them know the promised Holy Spirit. Is coming. And by Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, we see the power of God, the Holy Spirit, coming to establish the church. <laughs> and if you didn't figure it out in this moment that it was God, the Holy Spirit, who established this church, and if you're not good at one plus one equals two, it was God, the Holy Spirit, which compelled this church to partner with our church so that we could see the gospel planted and see a people rally around the gospel and that they might be helped in a time of trouble, that they might be sustained and that they might be reminded of the rescuing power of God and the creative glory of God by the power of his Holy Spirit as he creates new hearts in people. And now these people are new creations. And these new creation people gather together like this to be reminded of the rescuing power of God. Oh, praise him to the ends of the earth. Oh, give him glory. Dear friends, this morning we have been helped. I want to conclude where the psalmist concludes as we are reminded of the helping power of God. Look closely with me in verse 8. The psalmist says, our help. Our help is in the name of the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. The psalmist does what, uh, in Psalm 124, what many of the psalms do, speaking of the creative power of God. We know God not only creates, right? He doesn't create and then say, y'all got it, (laughs) and backs up, y'all work it out. No, no, he creates the earth and he is actively involved in his world. And he creates the church, and he is actively involved in this church. I'm sure get with Pastor Justin, and he'll tell you of the faithfulness of God to help and to sustain and to keep. So, how should we respond to these things as we consider God's helping power, his sustaining power, as we consider his rescuing power and his creative power? Well, some of you are hearing these things for the first time. And Jesus invites you, in the spirit of Matthew 11, 
you're hearing these things for the first time or you're weary or you're tired or you're in a, in a difficult season personally or, or those whom you are in relationship with are experiencing challenges, Jesus says tired people should come to him. All who are weak and weary and tired and he, he will give us rest. But uh, others of you have already believed and you're you're newly resting in Jesus and embracing his rest, but but you haven't been baptized. I'm sure this church would love to baptize you in the name of God and and you're hearing who God is. God is Father, he is Son, he is Holy Spirit, and I'm sure this church would joyfully baptize you in his name for his glory, to walk toward the the water, right? Uh, Others of us are walking towards Jesus for the first time and embracing him in the spirit of Matthew 11. But others of you are multiplication-minded, and and I want to talk with you. I want to end where I began. For us in Southeast Virginia, uh, we want to see other mission churches sprout up. And so, again, I'm thankful for your partnership in us planting Mission Church in Norfolk, but if you're multiplication-minded, one of the responses uh, to this psalm, Psalm 124, is for us to partner together to plant more churches here in Northern Virginia, in D.C., in Maryland, but also in Southeast Virginia. I'm convinced uh, that God creates the church. It is God who rescues the people. It is God who sustains the people. And it is God who helps the church to multiply the church for our good, for our enjoyment, consistent with his promises throughout Scripture, but ultimately for his glory. Amen? Let's pray toward these things. Father, we thank you for these reminders of your rescuing power. God, thank you for your grace toward us in creating us in your image and your likeness. We are not throwaways with no value or worth. And the same is true of our neighbors. You created them as well. And we know, we know that the image of God in man It's not lost because of the fall, but it's distorted. And Lord, we groan as we see the brokenness in the world, the brokenness in North America, the brokenness in the Commonwealth of Virginia. And Lord, we say, that's not right. That's just not right. And so God, we know if we can be saved, if you can rescue us, Lord, then anyone can be saved. Anyone who believes on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved and spared. Lord, we know there is a death that leads to death. But Lord, we know that there's a death that leads to life. And Lord, we have died to our former manner of life. We have died to our sins and we've been made alive in Christ. And so God, our prayer corporately is that you would use us to attest the power and the preservation of God, the keeping and sustaining power of God, but also, Lord, would you use those gathered here today to be witnesses to the salvation of God realized in Jesus Christ? God, we don't have to know all of the the dots and cross all of our I's and dot all of our T's and whatever, however you say it, Lord, Uh, we don't even have to get, get, get these, these sayings in the world right. But there's one, one beautiful reality that you invite us into. Embracing Jesus in all of his glory. And that only happens by the power of your spirit, which raised him from the dead. 
And so, Lord, we trust that your spirit is active in our lives, even in our suffering, even in our hardship, even in our challenges, even when there is opposition. You have not allowed us to be swallowed whole, but you have rescued us and you have delivered us and you will keep us and sustain us. God, help us to make that known to our neighbors, our classmates, our co-workers, those we come into contact with, that they might be spared as well and united to this community, this Sojourn Church, which you have created for the enjoyment of the people, but also primarily for the glory of God. And Lord, thank you again for the partnership that we share in the gospel through Sojourn Network as churches here in the Commonwealth centered on the rescuing message of Jesus. Help us to multiply that message. May it be multiplied in our hearts and in the hearts of others. And may new communities be created by that same message and helped and sustained by that message which has sustained us this morning. And God, we pray all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon from Sojourn Fairfax. If you have any questions, please feel free to email us at info at sojournfairfax.com. Go in peace.